0: I got started in real estate, um, at, well, real estate investing because of my kids. I wanted to be able to have any any type of job that I could work from home.
1: You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the Equity King. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show.
2: Hello, We Love Equity Real Estate family. Welcome to another show. Thank you guys for being here. We definitely appreciate your support. And on today, we have a very special guest. Our guest today is Lauren, who hails from California. Lauren is an investor with a people-first approach to business, investing in hundreds of properties in her career. Lauren has the unique reputation of being a successful virtual investor. Having not lived in many of the states she invests in, Lauren has been persevering in extremely competitive markets by constantly following the market changes and being flexible and willing to move market territories when needed. She currently lives in SoCal with her two daughters, but invests in properties all over the country. So Lauren, welcome to the show. How are you?
0: Hey, I'm good. How are you?
2: Great, great, great. Welcome to the show. So you're in SoCal, Southern California. I'm here in Phoenix. So we're neighbors. Um, So give me, I know I I read your bio, but give us the snippet of what you're doing. I know you're a virtual wholesaler. So guys, you guys looking to invest in other markets, this is definitely the uh, conversation and the person that you want to speak to. So Lauren, give us a little insight on your background
0: well um, so I've been investing in real estate for about eight years now I started out as a house flipper and I was in my backyard for quite a bit I I live in Orange County California Um, eight years ago I was flipping houses in Orange County and the neighboring counties LA Inland Empire and it was great until the market started heating up and it's once it started heating up It became very difficult to get off-market properties at a discount and to get the margins that you know I you know needed to get to make the investments worthwhile um, to make the investments uh, safe so after uh, you know a few years of of that and um, you know getting kind of frustrated I decided to take my business virtually I started at first kind of doing a little bit of both. I was investing in California, still flipping homes if I could get the deals, but I was diversified. I started building houses in Nashville, Tennessee. That was like my first virtual venture.
2: Okay. Well, before we get there. Yeah.
0: Okay. Bit-
2: <laughs> because jumping <I> know- ahead. <laughs> yeah, once we get going, we're, we're off to the right. Yeah. Um, so tell me why real estate? Why did you get started in real estate in the beginning?
0: i got started in real estate um well real estate investing because of my kids i wanted to be able to have any any type of job that i could work from home um i would have really done honestly anything (laughs) so i just (laughs) wanted to work from home i have two little girls so it was very important to me that i did something where either i was working from home i was self-employed anything Uh, but i was actually in real estate before but i worked corporate
2: real estate. So, okay. Okay. So it was really based out of necessity. You wanted a lifestyle, you know, with your kids to be at home with the kids. And that's why you decided to go in the real estate. Okay. And that's, that's a perfect reason why to do it. You know, a lot of people say, well, I wanted real estate because I wanted the financial freedom. I wanted to be independent. Well, a good reason for you doing it is, you know, you had two girls. So that was, that was definitely your, your motivation. So, making that transition from the corporate side of real estate into real estate investing. How did that happen? What was that first deal? You know, what opened your eyes up to doing something different?
0: Well, it's funny. So when you say, you know, that I, I did not aspire to make a ton of money. I really just wanted time freedom. That was what was most important to me. So I had a dollar amount in my head and I said, if I could save one year's salary, I will quit my full-time job and I won't quit until then. Um, I was going into, you know, at that time, I wasn't making that much money, honestly, with my salary. And I had this number in my head, like, okay, well, if, you know, considering how much we pay in childcare, you know, and how much, you you know, if I very expensive, right? So I came up with like this dollar amount, which really only amounted to about two deals okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that like, you know, that like would then be worth it to quit my corporate job. Um, so that's essentially, you know, kind of where I, my head was at financially. Um, but yeah, my, my first deals, I was working full time. Um, I started with direct mail Okay. And I just started sending these letters out to sellers that were in Orange County. I actually focused on condos, which was like funny. I I picked Ooh, just like, con- yeah, just condos in my area. And it mainly because I was scared to spend too much money. I didn't want to okay. like end up with like you know, a $500,000 purchase price home. I mean, you know, Orange County here. So it's like, right. that's very, well. that's, easy.
2: that's a basic three, one in Orange County. <laughs> Not
0: even right now. You can't find anything for 500,000. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Three, one would be like <laughs> seven fifty right now. Yeah. But, um, but at the time, you know, I was like, okay, I mean, this is recession time. So I was like, all right, like maybe something where the purchase price was like under 300,000, um, was kind of what I was going for. So condos kind of fit that bill. Um, so I sent some letters and I would just talk to sellers, honestly, like on my lunch break, I would just, you know, take, I would go to this park and I would get on my phone and I would um, call the sellers that responded to my direct mail. I would call them back. I would ask them questions and then I would take their information down and I would come up with offer prices. And then I would call them the next day with offers. I only had about an hour. You know, okay. in my lunch. So I did that um, until I got my first deal. It took me probably three or four months to get my gotcha. first deal. So yeah.
2: So what's your direct mail marketing um, at the time? Were you doing just handwritten yellow letters? What what kind of what was the message on that direct marketing piece? Because a lot of people ask me, you know, in regards to direct mail, you know, Shit, What should I say? Is there some Magic sentence or phrase, you know that would make your phone ring. What basically what was what was your message?
0: Okay, so here's the deal with direct mail. I've done direct mail for years You can pretty much say anything like there's not like a magic sentence (laughs) Like, you know, oh, but if you string the words, right, you know (laughs) together the right way That'll compel the seller to call you Um, No, Um, but I had a good meal piece I was getting um, I would get I would buy envelopes I would buy forever stamps that had like the Disney Pixar, you know, stamps like Finding Nemo. Okay. And I would get someone to handwrite them. I would, I paid a girl off Craigslist. Um, and I can't remember how much I used to pay her cause I haven't done this in so long. Um, and I'll tell you why, yep. um, <laughs> funny story after that. Um, so she would handwrite, you know, their name and, um, and then I would do like a stamp for my return address or like a sticker for my return address. So it looked very personal okay. and yeah, it was a, um, it was just a direct mail piece, uh, you know, just on a piece of paper, uh, piece of paper eight and a half by 11 um times new roman font or like kind so of like nothing that,
2: fancy
0: nothing fancy if anything yeah. ugly, better like times new roman ugly font like or you know and just it would just say dear and it would be personal dear mr S- you know smith i noticed you have a house on one two three main street um i am an interested buyer i'm buying homes in the area i you know and something is along those lines
2: so for those who are getting started and don't know much about direct mail where would you find these absentee owners or what would you find these sellers at was there a certain service that you used or what
0: yeah so there are so many providers now when i was getting into it there was it was actually a lot more difficult to find information but now they're everywhere so if back then um i was using list source okay. um, list source um if it could get a little expensive unless you have like like i know my students have a really good discount um but it could get a little bit expensive now you don't even need that um i use batchleads.io uh if mm-hmm. you you know that's what i use now um there's other services like prop stream those are great providers of um you know of data so. okay.
2: Okay, great, great. Mm-hmm. So you were doing direct mail. Tell us about that first deal when you got that inbound phone call or once you made that offer, mm-hmm. what was next? Kind of kind of, what was going through your head because this is your first deal.
0: Yeah, well... I really struggled because I was not valuating properties, uh, correctly. I was actually, um, I was offering too low and I was being way too conservative. So I actually had this seller, um, you know, kind of in my pile of sellers for quite a, a while. And, um, I, it wasn't until I was, so I was doing this, you know, direct mail making offers for like three months. And I was like, gosh, I'm not getting like a deal. I'm not getting a deal. And it's because I was following this very basic, like 70% minus repair rule that I had heard on podcasts. And of course, like every seller in California was like, no way,
2: uh, you are out of your
0: mind, (laughs) like, well, there was, but I wrote the notes. Like I would always write, well, what did the seller want? And I wrote them on pieces of paper. This is like before I had a CRM, like I would write them mm-hmm. on these pieces of paper and I would have, um, a stack that was like, like kind of like, I need to make offers to these people. And then it was like, I made offers now I'm fault, like negotiating kind of back and forth. And they seem like they have more of a pulse. Gotcha. And there was like kind of follow up, very cold people that I made offers, but they're just super cold, like tire kickers. So I'd have these three
1: and
0: I would just go through them every day. Well, I gave my, um, at the time I was partnering with my brother, he had just gotten sort of into the business about a year or two before I did. So he was still kind of newer too. Um, but he, you know, he definitely knew more than I did and he was, you know, an, an amazing mentor to have. Um, so I showed him, I said, you know, I've been doing this three months. I've made I don't know, probably like 30 offers or something. I didn't know at the, I don't know at the Mm -hmm. time, but I made a lot of offers. It felt like a lot. And, um, I showed him the, my little stack, my in negotiation stack. And he was like, hold on this one. He's like, the seller said he would take that. And it's a condo in Laguna Niguel. And I was like, yeah, but that's not 70% minus repairs. (laughs) And he was like, um, okay, call that guy back like immediately tomorrow. <laughs> Get this thing signed. I was like, oh, how many did I do that for? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, that's, and that's one thing that I tell people, you know, you can't have this standard rule that crosses all markets, you know, because some markets will will allow up to 80, 85% of ARV, and some are, you know, very, very, you know. Well, not aggressive where you can offer way lower. So it's really knowing that market, you know, so thank God for your brother.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Great deal. I, we made a lot of money on that deal. And and later I realized in my first year, I could have done way more More deals. deals.
2: Yeah. So what was, what was the numbers on that deal? Let's kind of, kind of dig into that a little bit.
0: So it was so long ago, I don't even remember what I bought it for or sold it for, but I do remember the profit. So
2: <laughs> you remember how much you made, huh?
0: Beginner's luck. Beginner's luck. Um, it, when we bought it, was like literally the last day of the housing crash <laughs> and the market oh, started wow. going up. Like it was literally the best timing ever. When we held it, it went up at least probably 15, 20%, like just during wow. the whole time. It was crazy. Um, so yeah, I ended up netting, and my brother and I split it. So we we net about sixty, sixty five thousand dollars on that condo, um, and it yeah. And so I ended up with like thirty. He ended up with thirty. So okay. I was already ha- like about halfway through like getting saving up a whole year's salary at that point. Um, and then the beautiful thing was I found another condo, same numbers, same thing. <laughs> so
1: yeah.
0: I, yeah. So after one year, I was like, all right full-time job, quit. Yep, <laughs>
2: yep, yep, I'm doing out. this full-time
0: now. I'm doing this, I just did this <laughs> on my lunch break, like, you know, and I did realize, like, the power of entrepreneurialism, that, like, you yep. really can make, a, you know, way more money with your time if you just have enough guts to be an entrepreneur.
2: Yep, yep, so tell me, where did you guys find the buyer at for that deal?
0: Well, we flipped it, so I, I was okay. a house. Uh, my first, okay, gotcha. Um, I've been flipping homes for years. So that was like okay. my first venture.
2: Okay. So that being your first flip, that's even, that's even better. Um, where did you find the contractor? Um, was it just using you and your brother's network? How did that all transpire? Because a lot of people, that's one of the biggest fears is that they say, okay, well, if I get this deal, I don't have a contractor. I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that. Kind of walk us through that process.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, at that time, my brother did have some experience and he, but not a whole lot. I I don't really know how many houses he, he'd maybe flip three houses. I think like not, I, it wasn't a huge number, but it was enough to, he had it way more experience than I did. Um, okay. and so I think at that time, we were just trying out this handyman. I I still actually use this handyman. I call him he's my husband because <laughs> I'm a single mom and so yeah, you know, anytime I need something I'm always like, "No, come here. Uh, I need you to like you, just screw a light bulb. Right, <laughs> me.
2: Help me out." <laughs>
0: um but it was it, he actually randomly was like a uh, my family uh used him for years uh so we used to, he's a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy, um, so he did a lot of the work, um, him and his okay. brother did, like, my, our first two condos. But um, I did graduate from Fidel to a more, like, actual licensed general contractor after that point, point. Okay. Um, and that was actually through one of my uh, end buyers. So I did start dabbling into wholesaling. And okay. um one of my end buyers used a contractor, and i was it was during a buyer walkthrough on a home I was wholesaling. They just sent their contractor. This actually happened a few times, so I started getting their contractor's information. I was like, "Well, hey, if I ever have a job, yep. like would you you know whatever you know maybe we could work together and so I used their contractors. Um, and it, it it took maybe like two or three that I tried out. And then I found like the one and like, I still, to this day, will like if I haven't flipped a California house in quite a bit, but like, if I will always go back to him, he's the one, you know?
2: Well, and that's, that's one of the things. And the reason why I ask is because one of the things people always ask me is, You know well where do i find these contractors how do i find these people and i tell them you know sometimes you just have to get in the business and these things will start coming to you you know that's how i found you know one of my contractors was you know was same thing was wholesaling the house and they sent the contractor over and i was like hey man what if i need some help you know in the future on something would you be willing to work with me and we exchanged contact information and And he's been doing houses for us, you know, for a while now. So Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I want to tell you guys as the listeners is sometimes you're not going to have all of your ducks in a row. You just got to get out there and get started. And then you will start putting those pieces to the puzzle, you know, together. Mm -hmm. So, Lauren, transitioning from California, why did you leave California? I'm assuming that it was because it was difficult to find deals and the price point started going up.
0: Correct. It was very difficult. It turned into like a, if we're still talking, you know, 70% minus repairs, I, we were at like a 90% minus repairs <laughs> in California to be competitive. Um, yep. so yeah, I had to find another place. It, it was way too hard to find deals here. Um, and, and the deals that we did buy, I mean, they were getting scary, you know, like if you were even a hair off, you were losing your shirt. So yep. Yeah. So I diversified and I started uh, you know, looking at different markets and I just kind of randomly picked one. I, there was no logic behind it at all or okay. any strategy. So I definitely learned from that experience as well.
2: So, so doing that, you know, going virtual now, picking just some random market, Mm-hmm. That could be scary for a lot of people because they'll be like, "Well, I don't have anybody there on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I know that I'm running the numbers right? How did you work yourself through that? Because that's some of the things that a lot of people look at. E- even with me, when I transitioned to doing virtual, you know, I picked the market that I was familiar with. You know, I, God forbid if I would have said, you know, and I'm going to go someplace I, I don't have any idea about. You know, how were you able to do that? And then how were you able to work deals?"
0: yeah so my first virtual market i like again this was like virtual wasn't really a thing at this time like i there wasn't really a lot of education on virtual it wasn't even really a buzzword um Mm -hmm. so i just had to make it work um my dad actually had a rental portfolio in in ohio growing up So I did take some of the things that my dad did and I applied it to my business. I thought, well, you know, my dad did it, you know, like this managing his rentals, like maybe I could do the same thing with managing flips. Um, But here's basically the story. So I was at a seminar in Nashville, Tennessee, and I decided over that weekend that I was like, I have to find a way to go virtual and buy out of state so I'm in this place called Nashville and it's awesome like why don't I go look up cash buyers and I'll drive around and look at jobs and just see like what they look like like what do flip houses here look like what do the neighborhoods look like and with these with that data um, which I at the time got from list source I just looked up last six months absentee owned purchases Um, with that data I could see the purchase price and then I could usually look it up and it was listed by that point. Okay. I was looking for the ones that were more further out. So I was able to see the spreads. So here's the thing though, I was driving and I was like, how come these houses all look brand new? Like I'm so confused. These don't look like mm-hmm. flips. This house looks like it was just built. And, but then it was in a neighborhood where there were all old homes. Oh, like oh. I just didn't understand what's going on. And there was like, you know construction is it like every you know on every street there would be like a house under construction where it looked like they knocked one home down and they put two in its place so there was like rezoning and like all sorts of interesting things going on and i was like what is this this is so weird i've never seen anything like this because i'm from california uh-huh. we don't do that here uh so i saw a guy at a job site i pulled over and i was like hey like are you the project manager he's he was like yeah I am and so we got to talking I was like what is going on in this place he's like you don't know that there's like this housing boom here in Nashville and I was like no why would I know that right. um, so yeah it, we started talking and he told me the numbers like I was like well what are the numbers in this job he was like well Um, the owner, he's like, I'm just the builder. They would call them builders. Really, he was a general contractor, but like in Nashville, you know, they'd say, I'm a builder.
1: Builder. And
0: um, he'd say, but this was owned by someone else, but actually I helped him get this um, contract. You know, it's like, what do you mean you helped him get the contract on the home? He's like, oh, well, you know, like someone I know had this deal and then we sold him you know the contract I was like oh you wholesaled this lot like I put words in you know like right, our, right. you know, he's a builder he kind of didn't speak the total investment language I was like oh you wholesaled it essentially like and he's like yeah I made a little bit of money just by selling him that and you know I was like okay 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 <laughs> I was like so right, I got it <laughs> I got I got what you're doing I I catch what you're throwing now hold on you get contracts like this like who are you getting them from he's like I'm getting them from a realtor um and I was like okay so, and so he ran through the numbers and I learned like, okay, the law, I mean, they don't overcomplicate it there. That's a beautiful mm-hmm, thing about mm-hmm. it. Um, they're like, he ran through the numbers. He's like, you know, you can pretty much get them for a hundred thousand dollars a pad. If you get them any cheaper, like the rest is gravy, but you know, a hundred thousand dollars a pad. And then. Um, you know, you could do anywhere from $85 per square foot to $100 per square foot for new build costs. You want to build like a 1600 square foot house, it might cost you about $160,000 to build the house plus Plus the the 100,000. So you're all in 260 and these things were selling like for 350,000 bucks, like anywhere from 330 to 350. So I was like, Okay, hold on. Show me a few of these. So he actually (laughs) drove me around and he showed me the jobs he had. He he had like four jobs going on. And so I got to walk through them and see them. And I, and then we even went on an inspection. He was like, I have to actually inspect one at, um, you know, like, uh, like at two o'clock, do you, you want to come? I was like, yeah. I mean, this is like a guy I met on the side of the road. Okay. (laughs) Like literally we hung out for two hours and That was like I at the end of it I said okay I have the money I I have private you know I I'd raised enough private money at this point because I'd flipped enough homes, so I was like I've got the money I'll buy this I'll buy into this all day long like you find me the lots so that was it the rest was history um, and we started working together and that was my first virtual venture and it was super easy, actually. Building homes was way easier. Where it got harder was when I tried to actually flip houses virtually. Oh,
2: virtually. Okay. Yeah, okay. Not so, jam. so you gave us a lot of stuff in there. Um, yeah. So let's kind of, kind of chop some things down here. So you're in Nashville, you're looking mm-hmm. at Tennessee. It's a, it's a big boom there. Um, mm-hmm. Again, being entrepreneurial you're driving around and I, I thought it was just me but I often do this I just did this earlier this week I was in Indianapolis and I was just driving around and I'm looking at houses and I'm like oh okay I like this area I like what they're doing so uh, to make a long story short so you ran into this contractor or builder and you just started talking to them. again it's about getting out there doing the work and what you need will start coming to you um, so you said that you had private capital from doing your flips in California. Um, how did you raise the private capital? Was it just from showing people your experience with the flips that you were doing? Kind of did, let's let's go into that. That'll be step one on this question.
0: So the the way I got started with private capital, and I think you know you got anybody could do this is. For your first few deals, partner up with someone else who has private capital. So just go into your first few deals knowing that you are going to joint venture partner and that person is going to bring in the capital and the experience. You're just going to bring the deal. I did that for two deals. My first two were with my brother. My brother actually had the capital partner at that point. Okay. So... First two deals, I had that. So now, hey, I have experience. Yep. I'm, yep I mean, yep. I'm basically professional at this point. <laughs> like, at least I sold myself like I was. <laughs> I, I thought I was pretty good. Um, so, you know, that gave me my first two under my belt. And at that point, I just started, you know, opening up my mouth. Um, now, I did use hard money for a long time and hard money is easy to find. There were plenty yeah, of hard money yeah. lenders or a dime a dozen. So I really only had to come up with the portion that hard money would not okay. um, cover. So that okay. might look like a hundred thousand dollars for a California flip home. Um, and then hard money would cover the rest. Like the hard money usually would cover about 70% yep. of the entire investment at that time. Um, they've gotten way more aggressive, I think now, but
1: yeah, at that I, time, I, had, now.
2: I had somebody reach out to me me they would do 90 on the acquisition and 100 on a rehab so it's like mm-hmm. okay i only got to bring 10 percent to the deal to the yeah. table sure yeah. let's do it
0: yeah they'll like pay you to flip a house yeah <laughs> yeah like we yeah. Like will pay you
2: <laughs> yep, yep.
0: i mean we'll do anything yeah no there are, it's so um we yeah like so i didn't i only maybe would have to come up with like a hundred thousand dollars so i just kind of looked at it like okay who do i have and i would do it like a hundred thousand dollar increments like that guy I know has $100,000. This person I know has $100,000. It always seemed to be like these 100,000 chunks. Like I hadn't, uh, gotten in, I hadn't gotten into the super high net worth individuals quite yet, but I got into kind of the people that had home equity line of credits. Like I would use someone's home equity line of credit because they were only paying like 4% or something, maybe 4 to 4.5% and I was giving them 12% interest. So they were making money off of right, their like- equity on their home. So, um, so I kind of started out like that. And then as you know, then, you know, I, once you do well, like of those maybe five people I started with, they found more money, you know, they would suddenly come up on money. Um, And then it also turned into people approaching me. I would maybe post my deals on Facebook. I'd post some photos. I'd say, you know, if anybody wants to work on some flip projects with me and you have invest um, capital to invest, reach out. And I would get, investors like that all the time
2: yeah and that's one thing that i tell people i, I tell them i said finding money is not the problem mm-hmm. that is that's the easiest thing to do especially if you have somewhat of a track record even yeah. if you're starting as a wholesaler you can still find the money and tell people look here's the deal that i have you know i'm, I'm buying it at x this is what the arv is on it would you like to invest with me in this project, you know, you're going to make, you know, 14 15 16% you know on your money. And most logical investors, if you have any kind of relationship with them, they'll want to do that because they're looking at at what they can make on the back end. So guys, just remember, don't let money be something that is a game changer or a stopper for you. You know, go out there and find a deal. Believe me, the money is out there. So Lauren, you're, you're raising this capital. You have it now. Um, how did you sell your investors on using their money out of state?
0: So out of state, um, at this point I'd already done, you know, several deals. They knew I was good for it. Like a lot of, you know, I, I think one thing that's important about private money, because I've seen a lot of people raise money and I can almost sniff out the ones that are that shouldn't be
2: yeah yeah. um
0: there is a quality uh that you know the some people have like even though i had maybe two deals under my belt at first and then i started approaching people like hey would you you know want to do this those people knew me as a person and they knew i'm pretty prudent um and i would probably die before i wouldn't pay someone back like they just know that um i i I have that character. And I think if you have that character, that will come off and people will know like, okay, this is a trustworthy person. This person would probably, they would pay me before they paid themselves. That's very helpful. So having that character does, you know, help. Um, There are a lot of smooth talkers out there that raise Mm -hmm. money and it's scary. Um, But...
2: track record is everything. I mean, you you don't listen to what a person say, just watch what they do. You know, if you're concerned about, you know, investing your money with someone, just watch them over a period of, you know, five, six, seven months, and you will definitely find out and find your answers, you know. Um, So, that's good that you had that positive relationship with those investors, Lauren, because now it's able for you to expedite, you know, and expedite, your investment so now you're in. you're in how how many did you do in nashville what all did you do in nashville
0: so yeah nashville was like turned into flipping homes and building homes and wholesaling a lot of homes um there were a lot of hedge funds out there and so a lot of like it was actually quite easy to wholesale houses wholesale lots um, so i just did kind of a mix of things for maybe two years but what happened was it just, it turned into like another California. Like it was extremely competitive. The neighborhoods were changing so fast that I could not keep up with it. Neither could Google earth. Like it was, okay. you would look in a neighborhood on Google earth and I'd have no idea that that neighborhood was completely wiped out and that there were like oh condos being built there. And like, I just sounded, you know, over the phone, we would sound like we didn't know the area at all but it's because we just weren't that local enough. So that's part of the trial and error, um, that process that I went through. Um, I didn't have a mentor in virtual. So that was a trial and error on picking Mm -hmm. the right virtual market. In hindsight, that probably wasn't the best virtual market to have chosen. Um, So I got out and I picked a more balanced market that's more of like a landlord market. Okay. Um, so that was like kind of a hard lesson. Um, no, I wouldn't say that hard cause I did fine, but like, it was a lesson that like kind of had, I, I now coach my students, you know, don't pick a market that's like in the news for like extreme growth
1: mm-hmm. instead,
0: pick your more like balanced kind of bread and butter landlord market.
2: So. Um, picking those markets, because that was one of the things that I wanted to touch on, because you are a coach, you do coach students. How do you help them pick that right market? I know you said, you know, sort of the flatline landlord market. So give me maybe one or two instances. It may not be the exact market that you're in, but something like that market. So people will know what they need to look for when going into, you know, a virtual market
0: yeah so i d- definitely learned a lot along the way and now i have a bunch of students and i have to help them you know pick out their markets as part of my program and i do give some parameters um the the top one that's above anything else is search for the proving concept so if you are going into a market so usually what i'll say now i get students blank slate okay they're like nothing right? Uh-huh. And I'll say, okay, where do you where's places, where are places that you know people, where are places you once lived, where's places you went to college at? Like start writing down a yeah. list of just different places. Cause there are a lot of counties in the United States. We don't all have to be in Indianapolis. Funny you said Indianapolis or Phoenix. We <laughs> right. don't all have to be there. You have no idea how many of my students want to be in Indianapolis or
1: something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm
0: like everybody, it's like you guys all gravitate to the same places. Like it's like right. Of places you've been, um, you know, people you know that have lived there, moved there, start with that. Um, Then search for the proven concept. So, what does that even mean? That means where, um, go like, see if there are other people that are successfully doing the disposition strategy that you are choosing to do. So, I get students that are landlord buyers. Um, I get stu- students that buy properties. I get students that flip, fix and flip. I get students that whatever. I, I, so those are I call those disposition strategies. Yep. Most of my students, majority, is wholesalers. So okay. go look in that county on maybe Facebook or Bigger Pockets or great areas um, where a lot of investors congregate and look for other people that are successfully doing what you are trying to do. If it's difficult to find people that are successfully doing what you're trying to do, that's an indication that it's not an easy market to be in. So I can give two examples and it, it's, there are two very different examples. Okay. One would be, my dad grew up in Yorksville, Ohio. My dad had his rental pr- portfolio there only because he grew up in Yorksville. He wanted an excuse to go back home and see his mom. So, he ended up like, you know, just like owning na- like neighborhoods in Yorksville <laughs> like as far as like Yorksville is so small, okay? He's literally there was only one other guy that owned rentals in Yorksville, Ohio. Like that's how wow. small. So like would your field be somewhere that I would recommend you go virtual in? No, like not at all. It worked for my dad. And, but even my dad said in hindsight, he wishes he would have like chose a a bigger like area. Um, So that's one example. Another example is um, there is a market that I am in. That's very close to the one that I, I would say is my more, my better market. I have a good, they're very close to each other. You mm-hmm. would think they look like twins. Okay. They have the similar population. The price point is the same. So statistical and analytical data would suggest that they would be the same market. Same market. No, <laughs> when I went to this market, I asked around, I looked for other wholesalers. I wanted a JV joint. I'd say JV uh-huh. joint venture, you know, with people And I could not find one successful wholesaler there. And they said no wholesale. People would say, yeah, it's weird. Wholesalers don't seem to make it here. Like every once in a while you see them come in and they just go right out. And I still to this day, well, of course, like, you know, i'm stubborn i was like well then i'll be the wholesaler. i'll
2: I'll make it happen
0: (laughs) then i'm gonna do it because there's no competition but there's tons of population and the numbers make sense like i'm gonna be that wholesaler so in hindsight i wish i totally picked i wish i would like (laughs) to not pick that market because it's still to this day yes i'm probably the number one wholesaler there and it is still like my more difficult market i it's harder it's harder to find buyers um it's okay. just a very they're they're off market transactions are just it's not very heavy there there's not really an active ria there like with the, which gotcha. i've noticed that's actually one of the issues is there's not an active ria a real estate investment association so,
2: so let me ask you this then lauren um is it predominantly a renter's market or mm-hmm. Okay, so there's no fix and flip or limited fix and flip activity going on in that market.
0: Yeah, it's predominant renters, but it's still, you would think it's literally exactly like many areas in the United States that are very easy Areas, but a lot of it is that there's not the buyer base. Um, so literally, like we would market our contracts, and these fix and flip investors or these landlords would think we like are shady. They'd be like, "What do you mean you you have a contract on a house?" And I was like, "What have you guys been living under a rock? Right.
1: <laughs> like, what are you,
0: like, have you ever like <laughs> what? Where like, how you do been? you
1: know?
0: <laughs> like where have you been? This is a thing. Like, it's, I, I don't understand. Um, but yeah, they, it's it's literally because they're was not an established, I think it's because there's not an established RIA there. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. So going into a new market, what should, so we talked about the market parameters that you're looking for. What would be, one of the next steps that you would tell your student, again, without giving away your secret sauce and what you're, you know, coaching your students on, what would be the next thing should they look for? Should they look for another wholesaler so they can JV with or partner with? What would be the next thing?
0: Right. So I would call it still like what you just mentioned, more of the proving concept. You definitely want to look for other people that are successful. So the wholesaler to JV, that to me is proving concept. Um, the next thing would be avoid um, areas where the prices are too high and the prices are too low. So you don't want, I, at least I don't want like to be where if you go on Zillow and the house, the average house price in the County is like $50,000. Like I have no interest in those areas. Um, those are kind of war zone areas. You would really have to know the streets really well to know like, Oh, that's, this is the bad part of town. And then this is the really bad part of town. Right.
2: right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like you don't, nah, um, I'm good with that. And then, um you don't want too high. So I would say, you know, above 300,000 average house price might be where you start getting a little bit where it gets a little bit more heated, Heated. the hot, the hot market, you know, upper scale, you know, not for California, but, uh, but where I've noticed that, you know, my students have had a harder time finding deals because essentially, um, really this, this whole business comes down to one thing. Um, when you're getting discounted properties and all it is is being able to convince a seller to take a discount on their house that's it yep. okay this whole business right there i solved it for you guys you guys can now stop listening to podcasts <laughs> can you yeah can you convince a seller to take a discount on their property in this area well when the average house price is seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and you need at least a, maybe discount to 30% discount to make sense in this deal after you pay hard money, after you pay your closing costs, realtor commissions, all that stuff. Okay. Like if you need to get, say, a 30% discount, 30% of $750,000 is a lot of money. And so a seller is going to tell you to pound sand when they hear. What yeah. that discount like looks like realistically, like you just offered me like two hundred thousand dollars less than my house less, is worth. Like exactly. You are exactly. you are a jerk. That, that's <laughs> what they're going to say. Now that in like a middle of the road where the average house price is one hundred fifty thousand dollars, I mean that's that could that's look like respectable. That's a respectable offer. Like there, yeah. you'll find lots of comps where homes went for that price. You know, so and that's that's. that's That's
2: kind of where I'm at when when I do wholesale deals in Chicago. Um, It's you know we're in that area where maybe the ARV is 250 tops, but Mm -hmm. normally they're around 175 to 200. And so when we're when we're making those offers, you know, at 50, 60, 70 thousand dollars, it's a lot more respectable, you know, Mm -hmm. especially because a lot of the houses are older. Um, maybe it's a grandparent that passed away, something Mm -hmm. like that, you know, so the, these kids, they just don't want to do anything with the property. So it's respectable for them. But again, when you're in those higher price points, you know, three quarters of a million dollars and you're asking them, you know, Hey, I'll give you 450. 504, yeah. they, you know they're like hey you know get away from me you know i'm going to yeah. report you to the yeah, police yes. and stuff so. <laughs> this is
0: elder abuse like <laughs> yeah like,
2: yep, yep. absolutely know?
0: and it's not the seller's best option and and i didn't feel good about that you know mm-hmm. there was a certain point where i said you know the prices are going up so high when there was a lot of distress in california i felt you know like yeah you know this is a good offer for your your situation it's an opportunity to help when the prices went up 20 30 percent after the recession it started feeling like predatory
2: yep yep no i completely understand and that's kind of one of the reasons why i shifted from Phoenix also, it was because, you know, the price points start running up really, really quick. And then it was like, okay, how can I offer this person, you know, with integrity, you know, mm-hmm. 200 grand less than what their property is worth. You know, it just didn't didn't make sense, you know. Um, so, Lauren, we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, you know, you, you, introduce your coaching program kind of what you're doing um so let's take a quick break hear a word from our sponsors and then we'll be right back
1: Okay. Propstring is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100 coverage across the u.s propstring provides a deep dive into any property specific details making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners no other product or service can compare Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sell prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but it is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love it
2: okay lauren welcome back guys we have lauren here she is a virtual fix and flipper virtual investor um out of southern california and we're going to talk about what she do to help investors get started going into virtual markets. So Lauren, we kind of touched on it already. How can people reach you? How can they find you and get more information about, you know, making a transition into virtual um, investing?
0: Well, I have a coaching program now. So I am a Wholesaling Inc. coach and I coach virtual. So um, yeah, for those who are sure there's a lot probably familiar with wholesaling inc we've got a great podcast tons of free information there i've i'm hosting it now and um, a lot of my topics are typically virtual Um, and yeah my coaching program i the link is virtualinvestingmastery.com so if anyone is looking for a coaching program you would want to apply there Um, But if you just want to follow me and kind of get to know me as a, you know, person, as an investor and my, just my style to see if, you know, you, you like it and like what I, you know, what I'm about, um, find me on Instagram. My handle is this mom
2: flips. Okay. This mom flips. So tell me, Lauren, what sets your coaching program apart from all of these? And I don't want to call you a guru by no means, but all of these other gurus that are not in the industry actually doing deals, but are just out trying to coach people on, you know, how to get started.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that are different. Um, First of all, I remember what it was like to struggle. Um, I was not in an easy market to start, so I got, you know, punched in the face a lot uh, being in California and trying to make this business work. Um, I actually do have the experience of um, it, it, educators um, that don't live in my market and they were giving me advice that did not apply to California. So they didn't have the perspective um, component. I have the perspective component because I've been in all of the types of markets. I've, I've been in flipper markets, developer markets, landlord markets. Um, so I know like how each one operates. So even though maybe I've not been, um, I've never been in Indianapolis, you know, but I can tell you the game. And I can right. tell you how to be successful there, um, really quickly. I can tell what kind of market you know you're in because I've done all those types of markets. Um, for me, a lot of the frustration, and I, I recall, uh, I you know I was in California, and I'm going, gosh, I can't I can't close any deals. Like, what's going on? And I my mentors and my the educators that I bought coaching programs from, mm-hmm. um, they were like, well, gosh, that's weird. It's working for us now. They live in like you know, right. they're, Louisville. they're living in Louisville. <laughs> yeah, no, literally like Louisville was one of them. Like they live in Louisville and like, and they're like, well, just send more direct mail, you know? And I'm like, cool. So now I'm broke. Cause I yep, yep. literally spent $15,000 on direct mail and have not gotten a deal from it. So Um, that's exciting. Uh, so yeah, like I, I really like went through that. Those are real stories. Like I, I had where I spent so much money on direct mail out of like bad, you know, advice from educators that did not have any idea what my market was like. They didn't, they didn't get it. Um, so I would say that, you know, when you are looking for an educator, whether it's myself or anyone else, of course I'm biased and say, yeah, like, you know, I'm, Uh, you know, I mean, whether you're looking for an educator, like find an educator that has that perspective of the type of market you're in. Um, don't get an educator that lives you know in a complete like and they they operate in a completely different type of market than you do yep, yep. Um, so yeah, and I mean also i every I've been in this business eight years, every year, I've purchased seminars, coaching programs, even when I had well enough experience and i did not need a coaching program that came in like a traditional maybe like course type thing um, mm-hmm. i would still buy every year to make sure that i am in the cutting edge of what what staying people relevant. are doing i'm staying relevant yep. i've um and so my coaching program is a compilation. Of all the coaching programs I've taken, and I've taken what I notice works well, um, and then also what doesn't work. Um, I've tried to make mine very, di- like lots of direction, very short and concise versus just long going on and right. on and on. Gotcha. People, as much as you want to listen to me talk, and I do talk a lot, um, <laughs> you lose people after three modules. So. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Lauren, tell us uh, what's next? What's next for you? What are you doing? um what are you aspiring to right now
0: well this coaching program just got launched just a couple months ago officially so i am very dedicated to my students right now i just want to see my students doing deals um so that's kind of my focus right now is just getting my students deals
2: sounds great sounds great so All right, Lauren, we are going to put you on the hot seat. So I have these five or six questions to put you on a hot seat so we can really get some in-depth information about Lauren. So Lauren, starting over, what would you do differently?
0: 100% I would have partnered with somebody Um, from like for a while, not, not, I'm not counting that I partnered with my brother for two deals. I would have probably partnered with, for the next few years, um, with somebody who was a very high volume investor.
2: Gotcha. Someone who was
0: way further off than I was.
2: Gotcha. So that mentorship again, so you can learn. Okay. What is your greatest commodity outside of capital?
0: Like me personally? Yes my greatest commodity my sunny disposition
2: okay all right (laughs) (laughs) what is one thing you can do to be more productive uh give
0: someone my children
2: Well, that wouldn't tie into the next question, which is what's your, what drives your ambition? I was going to say your kids possibly, but now you're trying to give them away. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, what, yeah the, what drives my ambition is, is the fear of having to get a job.
2: Gotcha. Because
0: gotcha. I am I, afraid of not being there for my kids the okay. way I want to be there for them.
2: And that's, that's something because when you have people that have that entrepreneurial spirit, that's their biggest fear. You know, that's for me, it's like, I do not want to have to go and work for someone because I know me, I'll get in there and I'll be like, you know what, this is not right. This is not right. This is not right look, let me show you how you can do this business better. <laughs> you know, so, okay, great, great. So what do you believe is your greatest challenge? If it's internal or external, what, what do you see as a big challenge for you?
0: You know, I've had this challenge for a long time, and I can honestly say I conquered it a, about a year ago. It was fear
2: perfect, perfect, and you know what the thing about it is, when you talk to a lot of people getting started, and even people that season, that's one of the things that stopped us from going further, faster, was the fear, okay, I need to analyze this, what if I get it wrong, people are going to think I'm crazy, you know, what if this, what if that, and all of those bad things really keep you on the sideline for a while, and then finally, Lauren, what is the latest business or real estate book that you've read or podcast, or something like that?
0: Um, I'm reading the road less stupid and it is, it is such a good book. Have you read that?
2: No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Okay. So the road less stupid, I'll make sure I put all of that information in the show notes and I'm going to read it myself, you know, because I love reading, love to get that insight. So Lauren, before we leave, um, what do you have for us? How can we reach you again? You know, you talked about wholesaling Inc. Inc. Give us your social media handles. You know, for those who pe- those people that want to reach out to you and say, you know what, I really connect with Lauren. Let me reach out to her.
0: I love Instagram. Um, I'm all, I'm on Instagram a lot, so and I'm, my account's pretty active. So this mom flips. Find me on Instagram. Um, I'm also Lauren Hardy on Facebook. And um, yeah, if you are interested in the program, it's virtualinvestingmastery.com.
2: Okay, guys. So you got all of the information. You know what to do. Get out there. Get going. Lauren, I really appreciate it. Thank you for bringing a different perspective as far as doing deals virtually. I know that everyone got great content and great insight from you. Again, thank you. Enjoy your week. And I look forward to speaking with you in the future.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Okay, guys. Thank you so much, Lauren. You guys know what to do. Always remember to enjoy the journey. All right, guys. That was Lauren Hardy from Southern California. She is a virtual investor. She virtually does fix and flips, wholesales, things of that nature. So, guys. Um, I wanted to bring you something a little bit different. I know I always talk about virtual wholesaling and virtually doing deals. So she laid it out, you know, some of the key things that you need to do when you're looking at going into a market. So you have that information, use it, take it. That way, if you're in a very, very competitive market or like Lauren in a high price market and the numbers just don't make sense. You can always go somewhere else. So, guys, I just wanted to bring that to you. Thank you for joining us. Remember, 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 you can always go to marcusemaloney.com for all of your information, your wholesaling and investing needs, or you can join us. Remember, every Tuesday and Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time where I do a live facebook and live instagram uh in regards to some of the things that's going on in the industry so i call it the two minute meetup and the fun fact friday so uh, guys thank you for joining us remember to always enjoy the journey thank you for listening to today's show i picked up some great actionable items and i'm sure you did as well if so let me know You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guests as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com. Also, youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family. Always enjoy the journey.